0: You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domasiewicz.
1: Oh, West Philadelphia born and
2: raised. The playground is where I spent most of my days. Yeah, Monday, good morning and welcome to
1: the scrimmage. I'm Daniel Hargrove. <laughs> and
2: I'm Justin Damashevitz. We got a great show for you today. That was uh, in homage to the fresh Prince of Bel Air. Obviously, I am, if you're watching on the video, you can see I'm wearing my Bel Air prep jersey. It does say Smith number 14 on the back for anybody who's interested. But we do have a great show today. We got lots of topics to talk about. There's a little bit of Seahawks news. And we're also going to talk about Daniel's new workout routine, which involves VR video games. Yes. I was sweating.
1: (laughs) Also, we're going to take a look at uh, some Felix Hernandez talk, which... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get it going with the two minute drill brought to you by State Farm agent Mark Rossetti. Let's go, let's go, let's go. up! You gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two minute situation. 44 seconds, hand the ball around.
0: Gun duel right, gun duel right. Three Jet Buckeye, don't worry. Three. The two minute drill starts now. According to the NFL
2: on CBS Twitter account, Devontae Adams is the only player in the NFL with 4,000 receiving yards and 40 touchdowns since 2016. Daniel, how does that fit into the popular (laughs) national narrative that the Green Bay Packers
1: have failed the great Aaron Rodgers (laughs) by not surrounding him with enough talent? Uh, I I think it's a strong point against. Also, I saw someone tweet out Aaron Jones' stats recently. They're also ridiculous. I think the only arguments that Aaron Rodgers has for that is the whole draft thing that everybody likes to shout out where they haven't drafted a skill position player in the first two rounds for forever but they've got a lot of offensive talent and they've brought him offensive talent. You just gotta get it done, Aaron. Stop trying to promote that narrative that you don't have players around
2: you. They actually drafted a skill position player in the first round this year. (laughs) A quarterback. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) The San Antonio Spurs 71-year-old head coach Greg Popovich said on Saturday that the NBA bubble at Disney World is the safest place to be. Justin, do you think he's right? I really appreciate the fact
2: that Greg Popovich is going to go into the bubble and coach his team, and I appreciate the fact that the NBA has made him feel safe, but technically this is a silly thing to say because an at-risk person with Greg Popovich's resources could literally lock (laughs) themselves in their mansion and have whatever they want delivered to them and disinfected before they ever have to touch it. So no, it's not the safest place, but I appreciate the sentiment of what he was saying, which is that, hey... I feel like this is a safer place to be than pretty much anywhere in public right now. The NFL and Players Association are expected to meet on Monday to discuss the terms of this season. Negotiations will include equipment alterations, opt-out clauses, and how to share lost revenue. Daniel, do you fear that football could end up with a money problem similar to baseball?
1: Ugh, fear, yes. Hope, no. But, man, when you see some of those things in there like how to share lost revenue that freaks me out especially when you see the reaction of the players to just something as small as hey we're not going to do any post-game things like uh, switching out jerseys anymore and you see the player (laughs) reaction to that i don't think they're going to have a lesser reaction to hey you're not going to get as much money this year so if that comes into it look out in sports Trying to get started back up have come with nothing but problems so far for every league. And it seemed like football was just cruising right along, but now when it's actually getting down to it, yeah, those fears are starting to creep up that football could hit some of those delays as well. The Philadelphia Eagles find Deshaun Jackson for conduct detrimental to the team after the wideout tweeted an anti-Semitic fake Adolf Hitler quote. Oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> Many fans and media members believe Jackson would be released. Justin, did the Eagles handle this situation properly?
2: Uh, obviously, Deshaun Jackson is not the sharpest tool in the shed. He actually has kind of a reputation for saying and doing dumb things. That being said, I don't really think that someone saying or doing something dumb or offensive in that situation and in that context on his Twitter account is a reason for someone to be released. And I feel like people just, especially the national media, they just love to blow up and overreact about these things. I think a fine is appropriate. And if he was a crappy player where they decided, eh, nah, he's not worth the headache, they would release him. But he's not, so they'll keep him.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there
1: it is. Yeah, I do like how I don't like Julian Edelman. Yeah. Yeah but I did like what Julian Edelman said after that. He's like, Hey, I have Jewish heritage. Let's go to a Holocaust museum. I'll take him there. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: I, I think that there's been dialogue between them about Has there since then. Yeah. They, I, what I heard was that they were planning on hanging out and going to like basically teaching each other about, about their, their respective cultures. Uh, That is what I heard, which I thought was very cool from Edelman's side and also makes me say that Deshaun probably was just being dumb, which is allowed.
2: I I also think that it, I know that the social climate is really weird right now, but if they had released Deshaun Jackson, it creates a whole crap storm because of what happened with uh, is it Riley Cooper? Yeah, then yeah. They, they had a receiver that was yeah. literally on video shouting the N-word at people, and he didn't get released. In fact, they extended him after that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think if you do that now to an African-American player oh, that boy. you have just... I mean, aside from the fact that I don't believe in that anyway, and I, I know I've said this before, but I get annoyed by all these conversations about optics. Well, that makes us look bad. I understand that these organizations depend on optics, so I tolerate it, but it's annoying because I I don't like to live my life wondering what other people are going to think about what I'm doing, and I wish that more NFL and NBA and MLB teams would operate the same way.
1: Yeah. Speaking of optics, Andrew, is is Aaron Rodgers not have enough offensive weapons? Go.
0: It's (laughs) not about his offensive weapons. It's about the fact that the Packers don't know how to play defense and have consistently refused to learn.
2: And I think they had a top 10 defense once. Did they <laughs>
0: win the possible. Super Bowl that year? <laughs> I just... I, I I, thought it was funny because my... I, I don't have a, a well-constructed argument here, but but my, my impression of the Packers is that they've been awesome consistently on offense, and absolutely god-awful on defense and i still have dreams some nights about colin kaepernick running past them <laughs> while they pretended he wasn't there
2: yeah in big moments i think they have been really bad on defense yeah. i think their defense oh if you looked at the last decade on average is more average and not bad my f- they definitely <laughs> don't know how to
1: tackle a running quarterback yeah though. and sure. they were they were the cause of everybody thinking that Colin Kaepernick was an interesting tough cool player to oh my gosh nobody will ever be able to stop Colin Kaepernick because he ran for like 280 yards or something so ridiculous horrible. in that game it yeah.
0: was...
2: they looked like they didn't want to
0: tackle him yeah in that game yeah it, they Yes, that was it. I I very rarely watch professional sports and go, hey, I could do better than that. (laughs) I could have made Colin Kaepernick run over me at least once. Yeah, I
2: I think, uh, full disclosure, I wrote this question. I get really annoyed by all the Aaron Rodgers discussion. I personally don't like him. I think he seems like a tool. Yeah. But I don't like him either because that, he quits halfway yes, through games that, in the you, playoffs. Yes. But aside from that, aside from all of that, he gets this billing, and it's not like from one or two people. It's a widespread, general, popular opinion that he's the most physically gifted, greatest quarterback we've ever seen, and it's a ridiculous argument. Yeah, it's a it's a stupid, stupid thing. Like it's all based on eyeball test. The only thing that he does really, really well is not throw picks, and then every once in a while just make, like, an amazing throw or a couple of amazing throws a game that it looks like most people wouldn't be able to do. Yeah,
1: He's Matt Stafford with the Super Bowl ring. <laughs> yeah,
2: he is. Uh, <laughs> there are similarities between him and Stat Padford. Yeah. Um, I think also, like, watching him towards the end of the Mike McCarthy era... I felt like he was playing badly on purpose. Now, I know people made excuses for him because he had some kind of leg injury. He was missing open guys by throwing the ball into the ground. And I think some of that was probably due to the fact that he wasn't himself. But also, his risk aversion level is so high that if there's even a chance sometimes that a defender could potentially breathe on a ball, he'll throw it in a spot where the receiver can't catch it. And it like he leaves opportunities on the table i know i'm like in this room we'll agree on this yeah outside of this room people don't share that opinion that general opinion of aaron Rodgers. i think he's so overrated i think he might be the most overrated nfl player i have ever seen because of how highly the national media seems to think of him
1: yeah every time if he were here right now i'd punch him in the face (laughs) (laughs) too far (laughs) maybe okay All right, we're going to take a commercial break and be back for Justin's favorite part of the show. Mm. Do you have a legal situation and need someone
2: on your side? Let the law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz be your advocate. If you've been the victim of medical malpractice, suffered a personal injury, or need representation with real estate law, small business law, or estate planning, let Jeff Damashevitz put his 29 years of experience to work for you. Call Jeff Damashevitz today at 360-612-3991 or visit damashevitzlaw.com That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z-L-A-W.com.
1: Yes, it is time for Stump Daniel getting back to the normal pageantry here with Stump Daniel. Not oh not last week, which was amazing. <laughs> Stump Justin just went off about as perfectly as I could have hoped. Hold on and to those good feelings, actually, Daniel. <laughs> actually I don't even think it was, I, it was so beyond my expectations <laughs> when I was going through and editing the YouTube video and I heard you say, you know, I didn't think this would be that bad because I didn't think I could be embarrassed. <laughs> that just warmed my heart so much. I think you
2: literally so... picked the one topic <laughs> that could embarrass me. Yes. I think you could have gone anywhere else and I don't care enough about any other I don't really care about being wrong. Yeah. And I don't really care enough about any other sports team or anything to have been shamed by it. Yeah. And you literally went to the, and I don't know how I didn't see it coming as nasty know. as I've been to you over the last few months. I don't know how I didn't see it coming.
1: Especially. Yeah. Cause that is like, when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, what does Justin care about the most? And I was like, LeBron. <laughs> yeah. But. And then I was like, maybe Dan Marino, but that's kind of... And then I was like, wait a second. he's li- He literally has North Carolina tattooed on his arm. So I had to do that. And I do realize that some of those were tough, but I just didn't care. <laughs>
2: I have a, a whole new respect for this segment from the other side.
1: <laughs> um, I, I think it made me... The biggest thing that made me feel better is also when you said... Man, I can't think of names. It was names. Right now. It was
2: like, <laughs> you know, you you could I could go back in Tar Heels history for you know thirty plus years and name off a bunch of guys from different eras. And you were asking me questions. I couldn't even think of people. I couldn't even <laughs> think of players' names to give you. I forgot Rasheed Wallace. I know.
0: I forgot Jerry
2: Stackhouse.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, it was. I understand. Like, I I want to just keep making fun. Phil Ford, Daniel. Phil (laughs) Ford. Eric (laughs) Montross. I want to make fun of you for it, but again, I just, I know that pain. (laughs) Like, and anybody who guessed Ken Griffey Jr.'s home run total is 515 (laughs) when he has 630. (laughs) I have no leg to stand on to keep making fun of you. I just was so glad that you felt my pain. It was
2: very painful, and <laughs> I usually watch all of our videos just to make sure everything is fine. <laughs> I refuse to watch that video.
0: Oh, you're missing out. It was
2: good. Um,
1: Did you see the thumbnail? I even put the baby no. blue. Oh yeah, on yeah. the on the fr- yes, I saw that.
2: Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. I also really liked the picture, the still image that you put of me looking very ashamed and embarrassed <laughs> on the thumbnail. That, so thank you
1: for that. That was. That was a little out of character, because usually <laughs> on my Stump Daniel images, I have a celebratory pic of me, even though I probably <laughs> screwed up. <laughs> when you do the
2: video editing, you can, you can make things look like whatever you want. Um, but anyway, we, we do have a, an interesting edition of Stump Daniel, and uh, we're going right back to a classic. Okay, We're going back to Name That Mariner. Ooh, I love Ooh. these. And I don't want to tell all of our listeners how the sausage is made, but in the interest of full disclosure, this is what I do when I don't have any better ideas. So, <laughs> Name That Mariner. Um, I think I'm going to change the structure of this a little bit. Dang, I, I haven't listened to any classic Mariners games in a while. <laughs> I have six total hints, but I think you're going to get this guy. So, okay. So, I don't think you're going to need as many guesses as normal.
1: Well, we already used Russell Brannion, and he was like my favorite throwaway name. (laughs) Um, So I have six total.
0: And
2: because (laughs) you've occasionally had such great random guessing success at these, um, I'm going to give you the first three hints.
1: Oh, no. My (laughs) process of elimination is gone. Exactly. (laughs) But
2: I I think it may actually help you. You get more information at the same time. And then you could even get it on the first guess, and I think it could be reasonable you could get it on the first guess. Okay. So I'm going to give you three hints, and if you don't get it after that, I have three additional hints. And you will, I promise, absolutely get it by either hint five or hint six. Okay. Okay. Are You're... you going to separate
1: those ones out, or are you, yes. you going to give me a... Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So
2: you'll have four total chances. Okay. Okay. This player led the Mariners with 13 stolen bases in 2013. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed a trend with Name That Mariner. The way I usually start on these is to look at the pathetic statistical history of the Seattle Mariners and find the most embarrassing leaders in an individual
1: stat. I feel like from 2010, no, the last couple of decades, it's probably pretty easy to find an embarrassing stat leader. And also
2: there's some like, I pulled up their stolen base leaders and I was like, who the heck is that guy? It could be a guy sometimes that's, like, on the roster for 60 games, but he's really fast, so he steals 20 bases, and he leads the team. Okay. (laughs) So, okay, this player led the Mariners with 13 stolen bases in 2013. I've got a guy in mind. This player also led the Mariners with 21 stolen bases in 2012. Okay. Okay. Okay, one more hint, and then you get a guess.
1: It better not also be stolen bases.
2: It's not. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) This player recorded a career-high 125 hits for the Mariners in 2012, while also striking
1: out 132 times. Whoa. 125 hits in one season?
2: Yep. But he also struck out 132 times, which I guess by modern baseball standards is not that big a deal.
1: No, it was more of a deal back then. Yeah. All right. It kind of plays into the guy I was thinking, so I'm going to guess Michael Saunders. It is
2: Michael Saunders! <laughs> Congratulations!
1: <laughs> the Condor!
2: <laughs>
1: Speaking of,
2: the fifth hint was, and I knew you were going to get it after this one. The fifth hint was going to be... This player's nicknames included The Condor. The Condor! And Captain <laughs> Canada. I didn't, that's I, a stupid I, nickname. I got would have gotten that you, one. Would you have gotten it after the fourth hint, which was, this player was a member of Team Canada at the 1999 Little League World Series.
1: Oh. I... Didn't know the Little League World Series part, but I knew that Michael Saunders was Canadian. So
2: you may have gotten it after that.
1: Yeah. Um, This was like... You usually have a random, like, horrible story about these people, too. I don't
2: have a horrible story about him, but I did find something that I thought was interesting, and I knew it when it happened, but this brought the memory back. So do you remember how Michael Saunders' um, tenure with the Mariners ended?
1: Oh... I know they had so many injuries. Cause see the reason yes. why Michael Saunders sticks in my head so much is he was one of my favorite players. Yes. And I just I my heart would break every time he got injured because he got injured a bunch. He was fast, mm-hmm. he could hit for power, he was athletic in the outfield. Like I loved this guy. Yeah.
2: He was a he was a true five tool player.
1: Yeah how
2: did I, how did it end? So if you look at his int- and he did actually spend most of his career in Seattle. he played he started in two thousand nine and he lasted through two thousand fourteen. He only played uh, over a hundred games or he played a hundred games or more three times. One season he played forty six games, one season he played fifty eight games. Ugh. in two thousand fourteen, which was his final season, he played seventy eight games. Now he was pretty productive offensively. he actually batted two seventy three. Um, Which probably was like their second best hitter that year. And and the only guy on the team who had a better offensive efficiency rating on the team that year was Seeger. So he was playing well, he just couldn't stay on the field. And Jack Zarensic, who was the Mariners' general manager at the time, Ugh. was very publicly critical of Saunders. Right. And he said that he didn't work hard enough. And the reason that he couldn't stay on the field was because wow. basically he strongly insinuated that these injuries could be pre- preventable if Saunders had you know worked out or trained or rehabbed or something differently Get out but of that here. he didn't think Saunders uh, he didn't think Saunders cared enough um, and it was interesting too because there also that also was a similar sentiment to what Lloyd McClendon who was the Mariners manager in that time had also said something similar but not quite as biting um, and yeah, then
1: because s- the things that have come out about Lloyd McClendon really shined a great light on him since he left yeah gosh
2: yeah so so we have a a player who can't stay on the field a gm who says well he can't stay on the field because he doesn't care enough about baseball and saunders kind of fired back and said that that wasn't true and i think in general, he was a pretty well-liked guy. Yeah. I mean, he's a Canadian, so you know he's nice and polite. Exactly. Um, but in Don't 2000... Know what you're talking about. <laughs> in the offseason after 2014, after all this stuff happened with uh, Jack Zarensic and Saunders, he was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange oh, yeah. for pitcher J.A. Hap.
1: Oh, I think it's just pronounced Hap. I'm going to pronounce it J.A. <laughs> As does most people. Yeah. And, and that actually worked out pretty well for the Mariners, yeah, I think. I think it did. I mean, nothing worked out for the Mariners because well, they never made the playoffs, so it didn't really matter that Jay Happ turned out to be a decent pitcher. But It worked out because Saunders didn't
2: follow the normal Seattle prospect thing and go be great somewhere else. Yeah. He played for the Blue Jays for a few years, and he was pretty good. Um, in 2016 he batted 253 for the Blue Jays and had 24 home runs so he had a good season, but injuries just continued to plague him. He ended up getting traded to Philadelphia and then ended up um, ended up out of the league after a couple more years. so Michael Saunders yet another on the list of Mariners prospects who could have turned out to be a great player for the Seattle Mariners and ended up being not that
1: yeah you know it's interesting because. I watched the uh, Griffey documentary recently. Um, And, man, the latter half of that documentary is just so depressing. (laughs) Watching him get injured and injured and injured. And did you you see the message I sent you guys? I know Andrew saw it. But I said, hey, I found something that Junior and I have in common. Yes. (laughs) Our bodies hate us. Yeah. And it was just – it was – I saw – I mean, on a much greater level, but I saw that same reaction, that same face that I've had so many times where I'm like, hit a ball rounding first. Oh, it's an easy double. Pull a hamstring feel. And then just that face of just not again. Like this can't happen. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. And well, my hamstrings work harder, Daniel. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> and okay, it was just but- that miserable face of are you no. And to have it on that level where like I I really like playing softball mm-hmm. but and that really disappointed me that I couldn't be there to help my team. But could you imagine getting paid what Griffey was and have all of those expectations playing in Cincinnati and all of the expectations of the fans, the teammates, everybody, and then to pull your hamstring rounding first?
2: Well, and I think, yeah, that would be what? Yes. And with Griffey, too, I have heard a lot of people attribute a lot of his injury issues. Number one, to the way he played Mm because he was all out, especially on defense. And uh, number two to playing in the kingdom because the turf was brutal. Uh, And I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Playing in the kingdom. It's like playing on cement, I guess the way the turf was um, that that could have created a lot of issues for him. But like in Michael Saunders, situation now, I know Daniel, we talk a lot about how often injured you are. If you were a professional athlete and your only job was to play baseball, You would fairly... It's fair to say you would take care of your body in a different way than you do now.
1: That's true. Yeah, I've always wondered about that. Like, would I be as injured as often... I would say no. If if I had people taking care of me rehabbing and that was like all I was supposed to do.
2: At this point, maybe because your body is being held together by string. (laughs) And elastic. Like, let's say (laughs) all the wraps I put on. Rewind to like, you know, the end of high school. And you've probably had a couple of injuries at that point. But if you go into it knowing, hey, my body is my livelihood. I'm going to be... And you knew you are going to be a professional athlete. I think you would take care of... Especially if you have the resources. Yeah. You would take care of yourself really different. I know I would. Yeah. You take care of yourself differently when you know your livelihood is tied up in it. Definitely. So I I think that's kind of the criticism. I'm not saying it was fair or not. And I definitely don't have good feelings about Jack Zarensic. Yeah. And I liked Michael Saunders also. Yeah. But like that criticism that, you know, this guy... It's reasonable to me if Zorenzik looked at him and thought, "This guy keep get, keeps getting hurt. I never see him stretching. I never see him warming yeah. up. I never see him in the in in with the trainers when he has opportunities to you know take that's care true. of his body properly. Um, maybe he was a guy who just got by on his incredible athleticism because he was an incredible athlete.
1: That's and then you know and that's something I heard about Griffey when he was younger. I don't know about older. Like after he had an injury. And I don't know how he treated it when he was older in life, but one of his famous quotes is: somebody was like, "Hey, Junior, I never see you stretch," and his response was, "Do you ever see a cheetah stretch?" <laughs> and I was thinking, "Yeah, yeah it's a yeah, cat; they do. stretch they constantly." Stretch all the time. But that was young <laughs> Junior; that was his mindset. So <laughs>
0: that's a
2: terrible. It's like the IT crowd, <laughs> yeah, the IT crowd thing, like with yesterday's jam. Yeah, they, they threw us out like yesterday's jam. <laughs> Oh, wait, actually, that doesn't work as a thing because jam lasts for ages. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like that. You ever see a cheetah stretch? Yes, I see a cheetah stretch. I've seen a cheetah stretch. (laughs) You nailed the accent right there, there. Chris O'Dowd. I think it's because I'm a little Irish. That was good.
0: I'm a little bit Irish. Isn't he Welsh? Welsh? He's Welsh. No, No, I
2: think he is. (laughs) No, he's Irish. He is Is Irish. Yeah, 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 he's Irish. Yeah, that's because good, then there's the one well. where that's the, a good show. There's the one you should watch. Anybody who hasn't watched IT Crowd, it's on Netflix. Just watch it. You have no good excuse. It's hilarious. Okay? Yeah. Um, there's one one time where he's having a conversation with someone like when they went to a musical or something, and the guy's like, "Oh, I love Irish people. They're all mad." And he's like, "Yes, crazy. Each and every one of us, or something like <laughs> yeah. we're all we're all mental or whatever they say." Um, but you know, since we're talking about the Mariners, okay. Let's shift into something. Andrew actually brought this up.
1: I heard, I heard this quote. Hold up. An actual transition? Yeah. Nice. Sorry, I ruined it. it. No, you're good. I, I mean, I, my transitions actually, are something of note of how bad they are, so <laughs> I couldn't have you make a good one it really without wasn't, kiboshing it.
2: It really actually wasn't a good one, because we went from Mariners to IT crowd, and then I was like, speaking of the Mariners, straight from yesterday's jam. Yesterday's so, jam. Felix Hernandez. <laughs>
1: Yes. You know who that is? I think so. I think I remember who that is. So Felix
2: Hernandez (laughs) told a Seattle radio station that he didn't want to retire before he reached 200 wins and 3,000 strikeouts. Now that he's decided not to play this year due to COVID-19, is there any chance that King Felix can get 31 more wins and 467 more Ks in the majors?
1: I think that... I, well, first of all, I'm not sure how many more chances he's going to get since he's not playing this year. I think like he's if, viewed as like a bottom of the rotation starter at this point. I think he's viewed as a guy that maybe if everything works out, he could be a bottom of the right. rotation starter. Like
2: fighting for the five spot for the Braves, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not playing this year, and I understand why. I'm not going to knock him for not playing this year, but if he really has that goal to get to those numbers, I think not playing this year is going to be a huge detriment to somebody else giving him a chance. Like, because they will then have not seen him pitch for a whole year. So, I don't know. I think 31 wins is more attainable than the 467 strikeouts. What if I told you (laughs) that in his
2: last three seasons combined, he had 15 wins? Yeah, but
1: (laughs) you got to remember... How many last three seasons? Yeah. You gotta remember he was playing for the Mariners. True. His, if he was playing for a team that had an offense. He also if he was playing know his, for <laughs> Do you wanna he, know his
2: ERAs in those seasons? Terrible. 4.36, 5.55, and six point four. Yeah, but
1: Jeez. if he's playing for the Braves who are just you know, they got young talent out of their ears and they're scoring a ton of runs, he could squeak out ten wins. Ten wins for three years or seven wins? Seven and a half, eight wins for four years? Four
2: more years, though.
1: He's only 34.
2: But he's got a lot of pitches on that arm. I
1: know, but he's pretty young. Like, if he wanted to just drug it out and play for ten more years, just trying to see if somebody will let him get to that, that mark, then maybe. Now, the problem is, is that would be saying he'd be on a good team. And I don't think good teams are going to be giving Felix Hernandez much of an option. Because they're good so why would they want him fighting for the fifth spot in their rotation they probably already have a decent fifth rotation guy so it's i think that one's more attainable than the 467 k's but i don't think i don't think he's gonna get either
2: i think there's virtually no chance of either of those things happening because of how now i love felix hernandez He's one of my favorite players. I loved him through all the years that he stuck with the Mariners through all of the junk. He signed extensions when he could have had opportunities to go, you know, play for different teams, make oodles of money, and then maybe play for a competitor. He chose to stay in Seattle. And I have always respected him for that. Yeah. But my first reaction when I saw this quote was, huh, usually old guys towards the end of their career who have never made the playoffs would be like. I just want to see what it would be like to play for a winner. So the fact that he went straight to legacy stats.
1: Yeah. Was it stood out to me a little bit. You know, I, it didn't stand out to me that way. Like the initial reaction when I heard people talking about it, were like, wow, talk about an independent contractor. I think is what Brock said. Yeah. When we were hearing them talk about this. And I was like, oh, come on. You're going to say that about a guy who literally never left the worst franchise in the Mm -hmm. world. Because he cared about this city and you're going to say that guy is all about just the independent. Like I, I had a hard time with that. But then when you bring up what guys usually talk about at the end of their career, it brings that up a little bit more. I
2: think he's just wired differently.
1: I think he, A, he might be wired differently and B, he might just be so like the playoffs don't feel like an attainable goal That is possible. Like he has is been, he
2: suffering from battered player syndrome? Like we suffer from battered yeah. fan syndrome.
1: Yeah, because there was oh, there no. were some there was a few years in there where they were pretty close. That's a really good point. I didn't and, think about it that way. And it seemed like an opportunity and it just never happened. Yeah. And then the next year everybody'd get all hyped up like, yeah, we were really close this year and then they'd be god awful. Yes. So that might just be something that's so far away from his mind as he's like, ah, it's just never going to happen. For and also
2: me. he may have in his prime felt like, okay, well I could be part of what pushes this team over the top. And now that he's so far out of his prime and really not very good anymore, he might think, well, I, I can't do anything to make this team that much better. Yeah.
1: So, he's, and, and like I said, good teams probably won't want him. Yeah. But Atlanta was going to give him a chance. And like I said, they're a good team.
0: Yeah. It, yeah i don't know i i thought it was interesting that you you were thinking that the wins would be more attainable because I was thinking because it seems unlikely that he'd be playing for a good team that the strikeouts would be more attainable because even with those bad e r a s he was still getting a decent number of strikeouts wasn't he uh no oh. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't actually yeah.
2: um he had in two thousand seventeen he had in he only played 16 he had 16 appearances that year. He had 16 starts. He only had 78 strikeouts. And in 29 appearances in 2018, he had 125 strikeouts. And in 15 appearances in 2019, he had 57 strikeouts. What so, so compared he would have to
0: needed to get 467, he's still going to need eight, at least eight. 4 years. Well, yeah, at least four. I was thinking, but that he's would be keeping with... up in this, like, f- between fifty and eighty.
2: So, the let's go back to twenty eighteen because that's the last year that he consistently started. He he started twenty eight games that season, which is pretty close to a full season for uh, a baseball starter. He had one hundred and twenty five strikeouts. It's a lot different from what he was doing in in the prime of his career when he was over two hundred strikeouts every single year. Yeah. Um. But let's say he could be healthy and in a starting rotation for four years. It is very possible that if those things happened, he could hit
0: that strikeout number. Yeah, but if he's on a bad team, what I was thinking is if he's on a bad team, he could get strikeouts, say he adjusted the way he pitched and and learned to pitch better. he He could get strikeouts and still never win a game. I just that's traditional. <laughs> I
2: just don't think there's a lot of examples of pitchers who have thrown as many pitches as he has in his career that will go out there at this age and start consistently and pitch reasonably well, pitch well enough to stay in the starting rotation and not get injured. I think it's extremely unlikely. That's why I think there's virtually no chance of him hitting either of these numbers.
1: And the reason why I brought up the wins, Andrew, was because originally I wasn't thinking about good teams or bad teams. I was thinking of the Braves. Oh, right. Because the Braves are a good team. Yeah, So that's why I initially went to the wins over the strikeouts. But you're right. If he's playing for garbage teams, then it would probably shift to strikeouts and not wins. What I think he should do is stop marketing himself as a starter, which I don't think he ever would, and be a reliever. And be like, hey, I can come in, get three strikeouts in an inning. You can pick up wins as a reliever. I mean, most teams use their bullpen... A ton nowadays. So you see a lot more relievers picking up wins. Does that count the same in his
2: mind? I think, well, I think it does because it gets him to that total. Yeah. But I
1: don't think as a reliever, he's picking
2: up enough wins to get to the mark that he wants to.
1: Yeah. That's why I think if he was. Because you'd probably get what, maybe tops three or four a year?
2: Yeah, exactly. But (laughs) I mean, 10 years. You can inch closer to it and then maybe you get a chance to be a starter and pick up 10 wins one season and then you're back to being a reliever again. Yeah. I just think like. That's what's important to him. That tells me, as if I were a team that was interested in having him, that he's probably not going to be as flexible as I'd like him to be. Like, he's going to want to be a starting pitcher or, or nothing. Yeah. And then I probably don't want him, which is sad to say. And I don't, I, I don't want this to turn into, like, a segment where we say disparaging things about Felix Hernandez. Yeah. But it seems... It's different from normal. Like, a lot of players at this point would be going, you know what, I've made over $200 million in my career. I've won a Cy Young. I've got, I've had, I'm one of the greatest pitchers of my era. Yeah. I I want now to go experience something I haven't before. I want to go play for a contender. And if he said, like you said, Daniel, if he marketed himself as a reliever... Like, say, I could be a middle-inning guy who could pitch a few innings here or there, or I could be a setup man, yeah, or a setup man to the setup man, or a setup man to the setup man to the setup (laughs) man, because that's how many pitchers pitch in a freaking baseball game now. Yeah, That would be a much better way for him to
1: go try to get some fulfillment towards the end of his career, but he obviously doesn't care about that. I know, and that bums me out because I would love to see Felix Hernandez, who is now a garbage starting pitcher, which is just painful to say, yeah. But I would love to see him fulfill my argument of then turning himself into a closer and just being dominant, yeah. Because how many closers have five pitches? Like Felix Hernandez, normally a starter. Mar- well, like, Mariano Rivera has one. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's got two because one cuts in and one cuts out. Same pitch though. But it's a cutter. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just like. Imagine Felix not saving three of his pitchers pitches for the second time through a lineup and just being like, hey, get three outs. You have mm-hmm. this entire arsenal to do it. I think he could be, even now, I think he could be an effective late-inning closer-type pitcher. And then I'd be like, yeah, finally, something more definitive to prove my argument that closers are just starters who couldn't start. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: like... Oh. Y- <laughs>
2: I was trying to and think, and I think of a, he
1: could be good at it still. Yeah, probably. You, I mean, there's because then he could also throw harder because he'd only be pitching an inning.
2: Yeah, I was trying to think of a good, but I don't think he will. A good example of a pitcher who is not viewed in nearly as high regard as Felix Hernandez, but has won World Series and had good playoff performances. But I couldn't come up with anything because I don't know baseball as well. Yeah, but it goes back <laughs> to this like this conversation that that I've heard happen several times where people are like, "Well, would you prefer?" Would you take Julian Edelman's career or Calvin Johnson's career? Do you want to be the guy who made buttloads of money and was the best player at your position in the league and had an awesome nickname like Megatron? (laughs) Or would you like to be the guy who was kind of just a mostly average, a little above average player, but had huge performances in in the playoffs and won multiple Super Bowls? Like, which one would you choose? Yeah. And Felix Hernandez seems content to be the Calvin Johnson. And I'm not saying that Calvin Johnson didn't want to win. I'm just going by end results. Um, is there a good example of a pitcher that's like that, that I'm just blanking on? Uh, Nothing comes to mind.
0: Let's see. <laughs> I'm sure there's some Yankees would you pitchers rather be who an, weren't that good. But. Would you rather
2: be an average career player who wins a bunch of World Series like Derek Jeter?
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> that is a great comparison.
1: No, I'm sure that there's some Yankees pitchers who are just like, meh, but they're the fourth guy on a rotation and come up big in the World and, Series and, or something. Yeah. And it the pitcher who I think of when I think of guys who reinvented themselves or transitioned, John Smoltz was a crazy good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like he was an amazing pitcher. He was a reliever for the end of his career and he was a
2: great closer he, he was the was... best closer in the league for a while
1: shocker yeah yeah so i don't see why felix wouldn't be like oh yeah john smoltz maybe i should try something like that
2: do you think felix has enough gas to be still to be a closer see that i, was see, viewing I him would as think... more like a middle innings reliever or a setup setup man
1: see that's where you'd have to start you yeah. would have to be like hey i'll be a reliever and then if he turns out to be like Wow, every time we put him out there for an inning, he just shuts everything down. Then you could like be like, "See, I should be a closer." Cuz John Smoltz went from you know, 30 win guy in some years. I might be wrong. 30 wins? No, probably not. Thirty. That's almost wins, as don't.
0: many as Felix needs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like how many times. No,
1: he had 24, which is still insane. He had 24. That's in a, a season. ton of way.
2: Win- 30 is
1: like um, yeah. how many
2: guys have ever done that?
1: Uh, it, you have to go back a long time okay. when they just kept throwing pitchers out there every day. Yeah. Sorry. That. Yeah. 30 was an exaggeration, but he went from being a crazy good starting pitcher mm-hmm. to then and being. and part of
2: one of the best trios of starters ever.
1: Yeah, and then he got injured. Mm-hmm. and didn't play in 2000, and came back as a reliever after that. Like, that was, yeah. He had an injury in 2000, and then became a reliever, played part of a season, had 10 saves, and then the next season had 55 saves. Yeah.
2: Didn't he, do you have his stats up?
1: Yeah. What did he have over that?
2: Wasn't there a stretch of like three or four years where he had a monster amount of saves?
1: Yeah, he had 55, 45, and 44 yeah. in wow. three seasons. I
2: think he was the best closer in the league. <laughs> that might have been like around the same time as Eric Gagne. And I think the two of them were like the best closers in yeah. the
1: league. Now, the interesting thing is the part that kind of works against the argument is apparently he still had some juice because then he became a starter again for three years after that. Oh, was or it for some years after that. Um, Let's see. His era gosh he played for so many years i keep having to scroll up to see which column i'm on (laughs) uh he was pretty good i mean he had eras in the threes so he was effective and that was at age 38 39 and 40 yeah he played till he was 42 and dropped off do some different things after that but
2: i paid a lot more attention to baseball in that era than i do now
1: yeah me too Steroids. Stupid mariners. You know, I had a really interesting (laughs) conversation
2: uh on Facebook Messenger with our friend Joel, who was he was just dropping me a line to say, Hey, how you doing? And he's he said he's been listening to the show and he enjoys it. But uh I think it hurt his feelings a little bit how I am so negative about the Mariners. (laughs) And he was trying to explain to me, and he did it in a really intelligent way, well, here's the difference between the Mariners all those years and the Mariners now, and here's why I have faith in them. And he went into, like, specifically here are the guys who are in charge of player development and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nah. <laughs> And that was where
0: Justin, Justin phased out. Sorry, Joel, yeah. <laughs> but my BFS
2: is flaring up. Yeah. Can't handle
0: it, Mariners, Sm- baseball. Hey. Smoltz
1: actually got MVP votes when he was a closer. That's stupid. Yeah. The
0: Mariners just played their first game and they won. So, <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs>
1: they played themselves. So they also did, lost. Did you watch any of that, or did you listen? to I didn't to any watch, of that?
0: but I listened to all of it while I was mowing. And did was, any of
1: those young players do anything? Like, did uh, Kelnick play and hit Kelnick a? Kelnick
0: went. I believe he hit two home runs. What? <laughs>
1: Dude, that guy is amazing. Is
0: it bad that I didn't even know that was Wait, happening? Was it Kel? Somebody. Or, Who's the other young guy? Julio Rodriguez. No, not him. Kyle Lewis. Ooh, maybe Kyle Lewis went to went yard twice. All yeah, I know I think is it was that Kyle Lewis. I
1: got super excited the other day because they keep posting like it random was... videos, <laughs> and somebody tweeted tweeted out a video of Kelnick. Yes. From the dugout, like they had just a yeah. phone video, and Kelnick just demolishes one. Like you don't see where it goes. You just see him swing. Have you swing. heard this, Justin? Do no. you know what he's talking about? No, idea. Oh, my gosh. So you see him swing, and you hear the crack of the bat, and you see the trajectory of the ball leave, and Kelnick just drops his bat and starts walking to the dugout because mm. they're not playing a real game at that point. It was like a simulated game against a real pitcher. Yeah. Like, it was one of their top young pitchers, too, and he just demolishes it and just starts walking, and everybody's like... Whoa! whoops like so and apparently it went off the hit it here cafe oh. like up in I've right sat Hill. up there yeah oh you have yeah oh nice i mean yeah, that's I a shot though
2: yeah that's so far
1: and he it feels when you sit up there it feels like how
2: could anybody ever hit a ball here
1: yeah and so he just <laughs> demolishes one up there and just starts walking away and everybody's losing their mind and that made me go oh please it speaks
2: to please come It really is a positive example of my general feelings about baseball and the Mariners right now that yesterday, instead of consuming any of that, like knowing anything about what any of these guys have done or seeing that what sounds like a really awesome highlight that you saw that was entertaining... I spent 15 minutes yesterday watching YouTube videos of Ryan Freeman from 2006 <laughs> playing basketball and football for Willapaw Valley High School.
1: And see, I did the same thing, but the difference between us is you did it two days in a row. Yeah, I did. Where you watched all the highlights. Yes, I did. Those were some sick highlights, yeah. by the way. I also felt his like- passes. You mentioned it when we talked about him as the athlete of the week. The yeah. passes are sick. The only reason I saw, so I'm not gonna say I'm super Mariners fan. Um, I, I, I think of the three of us, I'm probably the biggest of the three, but the only reason I saw the Kelnick thing and then went and found it is I watch random, like YouTube has these like compilations. I assume they're TikTok compilations, but I'm not sure, but of baseball things. And some of them are funny and some of them are just dudes hitting bombs and it was on one of them. And I was like, the, the video pops up and I'm like. Well, that looks like T-Mobile Park, but I'm not sure, you know, because it's just a video of like from the third base dugout of Kelnick hitting, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, that looks like, and it was the right colors, and I, I was like, oh yeah, that's an S, and I was like, who is that? Is that? That's that's not Seeger. I mean, he's built kind of like Seeger, but the stance is wrong, and then he just drops a bomb, and I'm like, oh please, please be that Jared Kelnick, like, and so Jared. then I went. I went and found it, and I was like, yep, that was it, and everybody's talking about just this monster home run he had off of an actual pitcher, I was like it wasn't just batting practice.
2: Simultaneously just listening to everything that you said and also trying to remember what Kellinick's first name was, <laughs> so I'm going, Greg Kellinick? Greg- Chip-, Chip Kellenick. <laughs> what is it? I can't remember. And then you were like, Jared, and I was like, oh, there it is. It's not Chip <laughs> Kellinick.
1: We've got some fun stuff coming up in the second half of the show to get to, so make sure you... I can't remember. Don't click anything. No, click don't click anything, because if you don't it'll click anything, play.
2: it'll just play right through if you've already
1: downloaded it. All
2: right. Make sure you download it. Also, we don't say this very often, but whatever platform you use to listen to our stuff, please review and rate us. Five yes. stars only, please. <laughs> if you don't like the show, don't I'm not going to I'm not going to quote Pat McAfee exactly, but he starts most of his shows by saying hey if you like it rate us five stars leave a review if you don't like us just move on pretend like it never and happened <laughs> <laughs>